Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project, where purpose-driven leaders unite to change the game of life and business forever. Here are your hosts, Susan Hobson and Rob Kalvaroski. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. On this week's episode, Jeff McEwen joins the show and we talk about the business benefits of psychological safety. We talk about how to go on your leadership journey, and we talk about legacy. It's a great episode, so I really hope you enjoy it. If you haven't yet, head over to whatever podcast platform you're listening to this show on, hit subscribe, and leave us a rating and review. We would really appreciate that. If you have any questions that you want to ask us on the show about leadership, mindset, management, or anything else, go over to Apple, leave us a rating and review, drop your question in the review, and we will answer it on an upcoming Q&A episode. Thank you for doing that. It really helps us being seen by other people. And if you really enjoy this episode, I think you have a ton that you can get from this one Definitely spread this one and share this one with any leaders in your life that are worried about what's the return on investment on great leadership. That's a question I get so often. And Jeff brings the data and the heat on that one with his experience. So definitely, you'll want to share that with those leaders. And everybody, thanks for listening. And here's a message from our sponsor, Newsly. Before we get into the episode, we have a message from a sponsor, Newsly. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. It picks up the top web articles around the most trending topics around the internet and reads them to you in a natural human voice. For the first time in history, the web becomes listenable. You can browse articles from topics you choose, start playing those topics, and stop scrolling. They also have a bunch of podcasts as well, so you can listen to those through there. Those podcasts are from over 40 countries, and obviously our podcast, Leadership Launchpad Project, is there too. If you download and use Newsly for free right now from www.newsly.me, or you can go to the podcast notes and find the link there. If you use the promo code LEADERSHIP2021, L-E-A-D-E-R-S-H-1-P-2021, you will get one month free premium. We've posted the promo code in the podcast notes. I know it's a weird one because it has a one in it, but definitely... If you're willing, check that out. So go to newsly.me, punch in the promo code L-E-A-D-E-R-S-H-1-P-2021, and you get one month free premium. Stop scrolling, start listening, and now here's the discussion. We are live. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski, and as always... We're in checkers today. Susan Hobson's here with us. Susan, how are you? I came to keep people in check. Got to wear those checkers. 
I'm fabulous. I was just riffing with you guys off the mic. Today's a big day here in Toronto. We sent our little ones back to school. So we are all fired up as parents. It's just, it's so disorienting to be able to work without your kids in the background. I have to say, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> my, my furry child is still in the background. So it's... Mine's licking my foot right now. Uh-oh. <laughs> she, she wants some attention too. Yeah. And, and, you know, as always, we start off the show with a quote. And this one I got out of Seth Godin's newsletter a few days ago, and he was talking about return to work. And the quote that really stuck out to me was, was this, is the real magic of connections at the office was that we were having these connections without trying. It's not that they were better. It's that they were effortless. Mm. And I think that's what we've talked about so much on this show is it's not that we can't manage remotely. It's not that we can't lead remotely. It's just we need to be intentional and it takes effort. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just like as we return to work, we have to think about, you know, everyone talks about, oh, like the cultural just come back into place as it was. And the question, I guess, first is, do you want that? And second is, how are you being intentional and adding effort into where it needs to go? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's the reality, right? Is you could have that type of authentic connection this way. We're, we're having authentic connection right now, right? So I think it is it's just like, it's really calling on us to think outside the box of how we connect, right? Because we're just so used to it being built into the system of going to an office. But like we've been saying on the show, that was built in an industrial era and it's 2021. <laughs> so it's time to think outside the box. It is, right? it is time to think outside the box. And, and, and we have a special guest coming from the future, coming from tomorrow at 6 a.m. We got Jeff McEwen with us. Jeff, how are you? I'm fantastic. Six o'clock in the morning, that's fine. We're, we're up and out. We're, we're, in Australia, we're doing okay. So we're up and about. That's right. Fired up, drinking the coffee. Now, Jeff, yeah. for everybody who's, who's new to you, can you give us a little background on yourself? Like, who are you? What do you do? And like, how did you get to this point to where you want to talk about leadership? Yeah, so um, my journey, like all, uh, and I'll, I'll stop. Every time I say the word journey, I think of the song, Don't Stop Believing. And oh, that one of my favorites. One of my favorites. Yeah. Um, my journey, like all, it's it, it's not a direct line. Um, I spent 25 years in the motor industry. Last 10 years working, working for Toyota um, here in Australia. And I would say that I had a successful career um, and it was, I, I was doing okay. I was paid well to do the job. However, I always struggled with alignment with values um, and my internal values in regards to a, a constant world of greed driven by greed. Mm -hmm. um, and then 18 months ago, COVID came along. And I just went, I have to change my world. I'm not going to be able to change this industry from within because I was trying to change, but I was always being knocked back and pushed pushed back um, from, from, you know, people above. Um, and I went, well, I can't, I don't have the skill set to do that yet. So I need to develop myself to be able to do that. To do that, I need to take a leap of faith in me. And COVID was the perfect time to step out of that industry 
um, and do a little bit what you guys do. I started coaching, um, doing professional coaching and um, as, because I'm a cricket coach, so that was sort of a really good alignment and I started coaching people. Um, and then earlier this year, I got approached by a company I'd done some training with um, and they said, we want you to come and work with, with us. I can't, they can't think of anyone better. They never advertised the job that I was the first person that came to mind and they went, we want you on board. And I went, I don't care what you pay, I'm on board. Because Top draft pick. I love just it. Just like you, purpose-driven mission. It, oh, yeah, you see my side behind about, me, do you? It aligns in the purpose, mm-hmm. um, you know. And so I now work for a learning and development company. Um, our company's name is NeuroCapability. So it oh, is using that. neuroscience to increase your abilities as a leader. Oof. And within our Oof. biggest program, which is what I'd, I'd finished um, earlier in the year, um, so we, we talk about um, the neuroscience of self-awareness, self-regulation, decision-making. But study period three, we actually deep dive into psychological safety. Mm-hmm. So this is the new world of we are on that wave of change. So mm-hmm. the early adopters, the people that pick the term up early in the piece, um, which I believe we all are, um, we're rallying our troops and creating this mission. And that's what it feels like right now. It feels like there's all these people connecting around the world with this driven mission on how do we improve psychological safety in businesses around the world. I absolutely love it. I know we're going to have lots of fun on this one, eh, Rob? <laughs> we're so we're aligned. We're fired yes. up over here. We're so aligned. I want to start here, though, just for the purposes of our audience. We always like to ask our guests, what does leadership mean to you? Now that you're playing in the leadership space, I'm just curious, what does it mean to you? Leadership is about creating legacy. Oof. If you... If you focus on the KPIs, the numbers, the metrics and all the driven stuff which you're taught when you do your MBA is to look at all the numbers, you might have a really successful business, but you've missed the untapped motivation of your people because you didn't tap into your people. Mm -hmm. You tap into your people and focus on developing your people. All the numbers look after themselves. All the results happen because you're inspiring not just those people that work for you, you're inspiring their family and their friends. Mm -hmm. There's nothing better than a person saying, I love what I do and where I work and my company is so good. And that ripple effect out through is, is just that's the stuff that excites me. So, And it really is about servant leadership. It is about looking after the people because the people are the ones doing the work. You lead them. <laughs> you don't have to boss them. No one wants to come to work to be managed. They want to come to work to be inspired. Mm-hmm. When you tap into that, the metrics just look after themselves. Mm-hmm. I absolutely concur. Rob? Yeah, and, and that's the thing, Jeff, that we get. So I get this question a lot because I, 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 well, I guess I don't work anymore, but I used to work in heavy industry a lot. And they're very metric focused. They're yes. very much, you know, KPIs, hitting numbers, continuous improvement. What, you know, what machine uptime are you getting down to like this kind of stuff? And I know like you, we talked before and you mentioned that you know, you were instituting a lot of psychological safety processes and 
and and like things like meetings and like that type of stuff at Toyota and it did prove out with results on the KPIs like do you want to talk a little bit about like if someone says to you like what's the return on investment of this type of leadership what do you say to them well I'll give you just an example from from my personal experience and and what we did so when I took over as a my role was a fleet manager in a Toyota dealership uh, a large metro, so an inner city dealership. And essentially my team was responsible for half the new cars delivered in that dealership. So our small team, because of the volume, um, but we were responsible for half the business. Um, when I when I took over and focused on the staff, I, my whole mindset was let's get the staff right, let's get the, the team right, let's get the conditions right within the big box framework that I was allowed to work in, let's get the conditions internally within the team right. Um, and we started focusing on things like our Monday morning sales meetings started with what are you grateful for? I love that. So by starting the reframe, we're setting people up to look for the good during the week as opposed to, oh, you start a Monday morning, you've got this dreaded sales meeting, you've got to hit your targets, there, the pressure, pressure, pressure. No, what are you grateful for? And in a room of people, which could be anywhere between eight to 10 people in the room at any given time, we were focused on what are you grateful for? Creating an environment where people were safe to talk. And that took a long time to develop, but once you develop it, the results then looked after themselves. So when we first started the gratitude process, um, and it was very much about um very simple in the beginning you know what are you grateful for lollies um someone put up easter eggs you know it was just all these generals by the time like we had people sharing some of the deepest things about we had a a, a guy who'd emigrated from from england and he was talking about the struggles of his family and how he will be forever grateful for his mum and dad making that leap of faith to bring him to a better country that had sun you know so he <laughs> But it was really emotional and he felt safe enough to share that with the team, um, particularly because he's now a dad. So that's when we talk about legacy. The net result, though, this is where, I, and I've, I've gone back and backtracked, the net result in a, in a business that measures everything, because Toyota can give you metrics on everything. They're very good at it. Um, so all the data is there. In a six-year period, we grew the business. So my team, my department, we grew that by 203% in volume. Wow. So we doubled the turnover in six years. Now, if I'd focused on the KPIs and the numbers, the boss wanted 10% growth each year. So I'm not very good at math, but that's nowhere near 200%. Yeah, no kidding. So we doubled the, the business in a period of six years because we focused on the team. It all became about the team. Um, and that was just, it, it, it was a long process, but it, it proved that when you get the team and you focus on them, mm -hmm. the momentum just flows along. You know, um, we had four out of those six years were record profit years. Wow. How does it parlay from gratitude and really hearing about some of your teammates' deepest maybe challenges or deepest gratitudes in this case how does that parlay into that type of surge in performance? 
Well, when you when you are getting the person to respond from a genuine place. Mm-hmm. So one of the one of the things that was really there's two really simple things as a leader. They're so simple. There's probably three, but as a leader, use their name because you know them. Mm-hmm. Um, do not look at your watch. <clears throat> yeah. Look at your watch when someone's walking in or if they they're waving goodbye. Yeah. Like that that just to wave goodbye. If you look at your watch, that instantly that person feels judged. Yeah. Now they're adults. We're all adults. So yeah. I would say, look, I'm I'm not treating you like a child. I'm treating you like an adult. We work hard. So when you've got to go, you just wave, let me know. But yeah. the mistake is when you look at your watch. Yeah. And it's the same as when someone walks into the room to talk to you. And too many people are on their phone or their phone rings and they look at it or they're looking at their computer, looking over their shoulder at the person talking to them. No, 100% attention, eye contact. That person in front of you is the number one person right there right now because they're the ones doing the work. Mm-hmm. You make them seen, feel and heard and their productivity and performance goes up. Um, but you, here's the one thing, you have to trust it. You have to have that leap of faith, and I don't think a lot of people trust their leadership mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. They, they really fall back to the numbers very easy. So you have to have the numbers. You have to track the numbers and be aware of it because mm-hmm. it is performance-based. But you reach a point where you don't. You just measure, but you're not focusing on them. You're actually focusing on how do you support your people. Mm-hmm. I would take it a step further, Jeff. I would say it's not that they don't trust necessarily the process itself i think they don't trust themselves yeah correct because normally in mid-level management no one teaches them to manage mm-hmm, that's you, reality mm-hmm. you, you got you're really good at your job you've got the runs on the board and someone says right oh you're now the team leader mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. in that process you were not given very rarely were you given Mm-hmm. the experience to become better at what you did. You were just, mm-hmm. hey, you're really good at this This role. Here's your next step up the chain. Mm-hmm. Very few organisations have that structured process to onboard mid-level management. Um, yeah. and, the leaders and are lacking leadership. Isn't that ironic? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, for me, okay, just give you an idea, and one of the great things, um, and with COVID, but even before COVID, is is um, like a platform like LinkedIn where people are sharing professional tips and information on a daily basis. Um, I remember starting to follow um, uh, Travis Bradbury is his name, Dr. Travis Bradbury. He wrote a book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. I started following him, following him and downloading his articles on the 5th of June 2015. That was the moment my mind went, I've got to learn so much more. And since then, I haven't stopped reading articles. I haven't stopped reading books. I haven't stopped that journey of, and back to that word, don't stop believing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're, we're um, believing, Jeff. Keep going. And so I, I just become this, this hunger to learn, this hunger for thirst to make sure that what I was doing was actually improving not only myself but the people around me. Because it came back to the underlying mindset for me is what is my legacy going to be? Mm-hmm. If I walked away now, what impact would I have had on those people I spent all those hours with? Mm-hmm. If I walked away and they just went, oh, yeah, that was Jeff. He was our old boss. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had bosses like that. I wanted to be a leader that someone said, that guy changed my life. Mm-hmm. That was my inspiration to, to be an emotive leader as opposed to a directive boss. Ooh, an emotive and, leader. Tell us more well, about what that means. Just using your emotional skills as a human being to connect with that person. Yes, mm-hmm. we have to have those tough conversations at times, but you can do it with empathy. You can do it with compassion. It is, you know, the, the worst thing I've ever heard is it's nothing personal, it's business. Oh, and God, it, yeah. I got that when I was fired being, once. <laughs> see? They didn't have the training, Rob. It, it, it needed an ex- that needed an expiry date. You know, yeah. we're human beings. We now know, you know, and specifically through neuroscience, one of the yeah. great bits of reading was knowing that social rejection is processed in the same part of your brain as physical pain. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But that information only came out in 2009. You know, mm-hmm. that that's only 12-year-old information. So that hasn't disseminated in between everyone. No one, Not everyone knows that. Imagine a sales team understanding the rejection feels like physical pain in that very first instant, but then goes away. Mm-hmm. Imagine when you have a sales team and it's coached using that. And that's what excites me is that that's the world we're heading to where we can actually use that information to proactively assist, you know, rather than being told, oh, just toughen up and, you know, put your Teflon coat on and you'll be right, you know, get over yourself. No. Hey, guys, when you get rejected and someone says no, this is what it's going to feel like. It'll feel like physical pain in that instant. However, the story you tell yourself will determine whether or not you feel personally rejected or whether your business has been rejected. Mm -hmm. And when we get to separate the two, that person then thrives because they go, well, hang on a sec. It's the business that was rejected, not me personally. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, that salesperson or that frontline person—you know—it's it's our frontline staff. They're the ones that are under the the constant threat and and, and turmoil because they're dealing every day with with customer interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the the greatest lessons I got learned—I uh, got learned great English. One of the greatest lessons I learned was in—I forget which book it was. Um, it might have been one of Simon Sinek's, and they said, and he said. When was the last time the boss spoke to a customer? Mm-hmm. When was the last time they had any interaction with the people who are actually paying the money at the door mm-hmm. in their business? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that mindset, that was, you know, one of the things that really changed my path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So much mindset coaching right out the gates. I love it. I knew we were aligned and this was going to be a lot of fun. Here's where I want to go next in terms of eliciting some more of that valuable mindset expertise. Okay, so if we are identifying that leadership requires relationship building skills and you're a leader that has none of that, we just said there's a confidence gap because there's a a leadership gap in terms of some of these people who move into leadership positions as all-star contributors, where do we begin where do we begin helping that person really start to develop that set of skills? The, the biggest challenge I see, and this is something we talk about, is it, it comes from self first. Mm-hmm. A, an effective leader has to believe in themselves 
first. So they have to do the work on themselves to understand what their reactions are. Um, It's like the the, um, you hear about the the example in the um, uh, on the plane. Remember planes? Remember when we used to get on planes? Yeah, once upon a (laughs) time, I do. Um, (laughs) They talk about if you're a parent, you put your oxygen mask on first to then look after the child. Leadership's the same. You have to put your oxygen mask on. You have to be looking after you and developing you before you can then look after a team effectively. If you're not looking after yourself and growing yourself, how can you make them and expect them to grow? You go back to the command and control style of being a boss, not a leader. Mm -hmm. Um, And that leadership skill is about mentorship. It is about expanding their horizons. It's it's about what information they're taking in. One thing that I always told people, what do you do on your commute to work? And most people go, oh, yell at the traffic or whinge about this or complain that my coffee was late or it's not, you know, all these things. And But quite often they either spend it in a car or a train or a bus, right? So three things most people do to get to work. This mm-hmm. is, remember when we didn't, work from home and we actually went to offices. <laughs> um, but the thing I would say, well, what podcast are you going to listen to? If you've got a 45-minute commute morning and afternoon, that's an hour and a half. You could be listening to someone inspiring you as opposed to listening to the same, you know, radio announce ads and the same bit of music and the same high repeat stuff. You could actually be putting in. And that's when we started talking about, and it's not my term, but traffic university. Mm-hmm. I love While that you're reading, what are you listening to what are you mm-hmm. putting in your head and that's where you start feeding your mind once you start feeding your mind you will then find that's how you inspire the next generation because you'll go oh I heard this thing the other day and you'll go and try it on your team and if it works then you'll start talking about it if it doesn't work you keep your mouth shut try something different <laughs> yeah but, but you will learn these skills because a book takes 20 years usually in for someone to have life experience to be able to write a book. Mm-hmm. You can read a book in a week. You can read a, read a book in a day. Whatever your con- consumption, it might take you a month mm-hmm. to read that book. But that's someone's life experience or professional experience or business experience mm-hmm. distilled down into X amount of words that you can learn from and develop your skills and then practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got to practice. You've got to, you've got to be practicing your skills because it is like any skill. You know, we all had to learn how to walk. Imagine if you, when you were learning to walk, someone was yelling at you, oh, you haven't done it. You're not good enough. You've got to do better than this. You've got to be walking by next Thursday or you don't meet your target, right? No, we encourage a child to learn to walk. We, we ce- celebrate the moments. We build them up, we clap and we cheer and we film it and we do all these great things to inspire that child to learn Mm -hmm. how to walk. Mm -hmm. It's no different to being a leader. You've got to learn how to walk as a leader. So find a mentor, find a coach, find someone who's going to help put you on the path of that learning as a Mm -hmm. leader because in a lot of organisations, they don't give you those skills. I think that's the reality we're trying to expose on this show, right, Rob, is that I think it was an assumption that we, if we, if we see people in leadership positions, that they were developed to be in that role, right? But I think that's something we're really trying to 
burst the bubble on. I think it, it is. It, it all starts with curiosity for every single one of us, right? And and I love this whole transit university thing because the stats actually bear it out. In four years, if you just develop that habit of listening to a book on your way in and your way out, you can have a, a, a full university degree. So I'll, I'll give you a little, th- and this is some of the things when we talk about neuroscience and what you can and can't do with your brain. Because once mm-hmm. you start unpacking that, it's a it's amazing what's available. With audiobooks or podcasts, you yeah. can speed them up. Yes. So know. once your brain That's my mean of, of consuming the information <laughs> on my runs, right, Rob? <laughs> well, I do it when I take my dog for a walk every morning. I have an audio book yeah. at the moment and, and, and you can increase that speed. So you can absorb. So I'm currently most audio books and podcasts or audio books particularly, I'm, I'm at about three times normal speed. Wow. You can train your Good thing brain. I talk slowly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you can train your brain to consume. Now, what that means is you could listen to that audio book twice in a week as opposed mm-hmm. to just once. Wow. You, know, or you could listen to it three times because you're able to, con- your brain will absorb it. And the, That's right. You know, yeah. Um, another thing that we do in our in our course, we actually recommend, um, there's a book by Jim Quick, Limitless. Yeah. Um, chapter 14, page 237, where he teaches you to speed read using your pen or your finger. Oh, my God, right. I love this. A visual pacer across the page stops your eyes jumping across the page. Yeah. That one tip alone doubles your speed of reading, That's zero right. cost, allows you to consume more information. Um, so, but we going back, we have to... We have to mentor or inspire those those burgeoning leaders mm-hmm. that they have to go on that development process mm-hmm. and tell them that they're apprentices in that process. They, they can't possibly come out of the blocks and master being an inspirational leader. Mm-hmm. You have to work through that process. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you have to develop the skills like any job. How do we inspire that in our young leaders? Inspiration is about looking at the future from a storyteller point of view. So as a storyteller, if you start to make them vision the future them, the future, and this is where from a a, a, a neuroscience point of view, when you imagine something and attach emotion to it, Mm -hmm. it gets encoded better. Mm-hmm. So it releases extra neurotransmitters and, and mm-hmm. that emotion attached means that not only do they believe it, they see it, they start to become that future. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you start talking about, um, so my, my biggest, my quote, there's two quotes I use all the time, but my my main driver is to plant trees under whose shade I never sit. The person I inspire today through through um, servant leadership will touch a future generation of people. That's the stuff that I live and breathe for, that what I do today and the interactions, I do that with someone when I have a coffee mm-hmm. at the shop. I want that person today to have a great day. They're serving people and looking after people, but I want the person who's just made my coffee to feel gratitude and, and appreciated and seen and heard, not just double skim latte or whatever people order, you know. Yeah. It's, right? So when you start doing that, um, that person will suddenly, oh, 
that's great. And when you do it, and we need to remove this thing about random acts of kindness. Don't get me wrong. We need to keep doing more of it. But it needs to be stop being random. Mm-hmm. Just be kind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When, when did we become this consumer culture that forgets about the person, the human being that we're talking to? Mm-hmm. And we see it when people are now from a neuroscience point of view, we know people are in threat response. So, of course, fight, fight, flee. All of that's happening and that's triggering a response. Mm-hmm. Those, re- those threats, though, aren't actually real. Mm-hmm. And we need to educate people that they're getting upset over stuff that's not really real. It's just how they feel about it. Um, and it's not a real threat. It's just a social threat. So, um, And that's why you just got to keep um, – we talk about there's a curve – the law of diminishing returns, mm-hmm. which is about change and about uh, product lines and, and uh, it's finance, but it's about change. We talk about where the early adopters, where the catalyst for change, where the people pushing forward saying this is what we want to do. We need to get the early majority um, because then the rest of them will just have to do it because the rest of us are doing it. The first half of the curve are doing it. The last lot go, oh, everyone else is doing it. I'll have Critical it. <laughs> mass, here we come. That's it, the tipping That's- point. But if we spend our energy looking at the, the bad businesses, mm-hmm. they're not going to change because we want them to change. So mm-hmm. we've got to inspire the next generation of leaders. Mm-hmm. So I is that it. like is that the answer, Jeff? Like those Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, like, you know, second place is steak knives, third, third place is you're fired. Yeah. Um, like those type of leaders, is it just like, is it too late for them or is there a way to get them on the bus? No, so we, we need to show them that the world is shifting and, mm-hmm. and we saw that through the pandemic that the world shifted and so mm-hmm. much. The, the, if you'd Googled the term psychological safety three years ago, there was tiny, tiny entries, the, the Google Analytics. If you look at it now, it's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, we did this just recently because we're, uh, we're um, refreshing our marketing and website. And it, it was a massive shift towards psychological safety. You even see it on LinkedIn where people have psychological safety and well-being in their title. Three years ago, we couldn't have done that. So the pandemic has changed our approach. So mm-hmm. fast forward 20 years, there's going to be this gap. Mm-hmm. There's going to be human-centric business. And I know for everyone at home, I'm doing a really nice visual. But <laughs> um, While you're driving your car, between, hopefully you have it audio only. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a gap between human-centric business and the businesses that don't. Mm-hmm. And so those businesses that don't will, know, will not be employers of choice. Mm-hmm. And that's their biggest risk, that they'll go, oh, we can't get good people. No, you can't get people because your business hasn't evolved. That's right. It's not that the good people aren't out there. They just will not look at your business because you're not providing the things that are required from this human-centric business. Um, We talk about pace of awareness. So psychological safety now is about the pace of awareness. There are so many businesses who are now on board, and then there's that gap. Um, mm-hmm. So once again, as the early adopters, our job is to create this movement. Um, mm-hmm. The great thing for me talking to to you guys both in Canada is that our founder Linda um, was born in Toronto. Oh, so she's been, <laughs> she spent her first ten years. So Linda Ray yeah. spent her first ten years in Toronto. So nice. she sounds Australian now, except for when she says um, "can't out 
Um, out, about, uh, out yeah. and about, <laughs> out and about, yeah. So there's a I, couple of things. But yeah. for us, this is about creating this movement. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, 100%. sharing information and we're looking about a future that does uh-huh. not yet exist. Yes, I love it. So inspirational. And look at look at you as a perfect example of that. You were a top performer who was doing phenomenal things in your organization. And then you were left with no choice but to leave because it was misaligned with your values. This well, is I'm- what... Mm-hmm. I just want to share one little, little point on that. And I know you were going somewhere, Susan. So That's okay. Back. I can hold it with the best of them. You go. <laughs> um, just to give you an idea, when I say the pandemic came along and it, it I, I walked away, um, I walked away as number three in my role in the country. Wow. And the lack of psychological safety was not worth staying there. Mm-hmm. So I want people to just, just think about that. That That is... The most amount of money in my career ever, mm-hmm. status, um, ironically, trips overseas, but they were all cancelled. So I have, yeah. this, I have this beautiful email saying, you, congratulations, you're yeah. in the top three in the country. You'll get an all-expenses-paid trip. Oh, but by the way, the pandemic's come along. We've cancelled <laughs> everything, right? Just And kidding. I can laugh about that now. Yeah, um, yeah. And even at the time, I thought that was beautiful. But that was not enough. The money, the status the prestige was not enough to to put up with low psychological safety. So I want that to be maybe a a mission for people to realise there is a point where the money, once your money looks after itself, you're just in a false economy because you're sacrificing your well-being, you're sacrificing your life, and you're working hours. We have to remove this stigma about burnout by oh keep pushing through and keep working keep doing the hours you're killing yourselves literally mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. just you're pushing too hard so when we're just as an example and a, and a benchmark for what i walked away from mm-hmm. with no plan b but with that belief that what i was doing was the right purpose-driven mission like mm-hmm. your statement susan so how did you yeah. get to that point uh, there was a conversation about six months earlier when I said to my boss, I'd like, I'm studying neuroscience of leadership. I'd like to run a program through um, our teams and our frontline staff to help them self regulate, um, cope better with stress, how to be aware of conflict resolution, um, you know, uh, fight, flight, and free, freeze, just a couple of techniques and a couple of um, self regulation things to reduce stress and anxiety. And he mm-hmm. said, get out of my office, go and do your job. You're not qualified. Who do you think you are? That was that was the tipping point. So if you ever want to talk about moments, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that was the 3rd of November 2019. So it was a very specific moment. And they're those moments where your instinct, you either listen to it or you go, oh, well, okay, I'll just put up with that. And that was mm-hmm. that moment for me. Yeah. So I then went home and planned the exit strategy to make sure I got all my entitlements. Yeah. That was that moment, Rob, where it it was, okay, enough's enough. If we can't even have the conversation about anxiety and stress, we're we're burdening our staff with stress and anxiety because we're putting our head in the sand and ignoring it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was the moment. It's inhumane. Yeah. Really, really, really what it comes down to, right? 
But like, that's that gap. That's that yeah. divide between a human-centric business us- using using um, emotional intelligence to lead as opposed mm-hmm. to command and control, which mm-hmm. is the old school business, which mm-hmm. it still exists. Don't get me wrong. It still exists in a massive part of the business throughout the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a change happening right now and, and mm-hmm. we're a part of it and we're a part of making that change. Yep, we see it. And we, I, I as a leadership coach myself, have seen the chasm, right? Like between the 1.0 leaders and the 2.0 leaders that maybe have been working with me a little bit longer, right? It's like the 1.0 leaders were the ones that were suffering the most through all this disruption. Yeah, they, they just they, didn't have the skills. They couldn't lead their people. They could not lead their people. You add this extra layer of adversity in terms of being, you know, not looking over their shoulder, right? And the command and control of being in the office like we started off the show talking about. Now you're really sinking in the deep end without a float. And so the ones that were purpose, mission-driven leaders, you know, they're the ones that not only sustained their way through the disruption, they capitalized on it. They found opportunities for their people to grow. So that's where I want to go next is just in thinking about this with the whole psychological safety piece, which is obviously your passion, this mission that you're on. Um, to get us all early adopting, how do we how do we navigate that as leaders? Whether we're one point or two point, how do we navigate that with this whole return to work thing we started off the show talking about? So the the main thing is, uh, so we have a pro- program here in Australia. It's called Are You OK Day, um, and that was yesterday that. here in Australia. Yeah. So a lot of businesses. It's, it's bright yellow, um, and so um, it's really dominant um, through a business now in Australia. Are you okay day? Every, every day should be are you okay day. I agree. Every <laughs> I day, totally agree. So someone's coming to your business and giving up their eight to ten hours, whatever their, their shift is, whatever they're doing, if they're in your business, they're committing to you to perform. Surely you should commit to them to perform. Mm-hmm. It's it's a two way street. So your care towards them increases the output. And if your if your pace of awareness, so we get back to that about psychological safety. Once you understand that the higher your psychological safety directly links to the metrics of your business, which mm-hmm. there's now software that can actually prove that mm-hmm. can show uh, a return on investment and a measurement on turnover, mm-hmm. once you can do that, you have got to say, well, hang on a sec, if I want to get better profits over here, oh, I've got to look after my people better. Mm-hmm. And you go back to the lead measure. Too many businesses are looking at the lag measure because that's mm-hmm. all they know how to do. That's mm-hmm. all they're trained to do. That's all their MBA, that's all the accountants mm-hmm. ever talk about is the lag measure. Mm-hmm. But we know in with my team in cars, delivery of a vehicle today was actually the work we did five months ago on average. Mm-hmm. At the courses we we sell, so we have an advanced diploma of neuroscience of leadership, so one mm-hmm. one step underneath a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that that nurture period from an initial contact um, is over twelve months. Because people have to look at it and start getting their head around, they're committing to an 18-month program, right? So it's a big commitment. So it's when you understand that, that's you nurture that person through the learning process to get ready. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't look at how many sales you've done today. 
I look at the person I look at today that I talk to today, how do I look after them over the next X amount of months as part of their, you know, pace of awareness and what are they going to learn and what do we need to teach them before they even start our program? What information do we need to provide them? You know, you've got to build that awareness and it's a constant thing. Um, and that's the thing about psychological safety. It is We're on that tipping point. Mm-hmm. We are now having those conversations with leaders about if you don't, where will your business be in five years' time? Mm-hmm. Could you, you could do it shorter, but um, where will it be in five years' time if you are not an employer of choice? Mm-hmm. You won't get staff. Your staff will be leaving. You will have all sorts of dramas. You'll start saying the staff, oh, they're not working hard enough. And then you'll get even more um, command and control and start to, mm-hmm. and then you'll lose even more. Your turnover will continue to go up, but you'll keep blaming mm-hmm. the people. Um, and sometimes that's that mirror, which is really confronting. And a lot of people will avoid looking at a, the leadership mirror mm-hmm. because they don't want to admit that it's them. Mm-hmm. Because what worked for the last 20 years will no longer work, will not work for the next 20 years. Amen to that. It, it's funny, right? It's, I mean, there's two things. One is I think that businesses are seeing that turnover. Like we talked about the great resignation, but I'm also seeing articles now that businesses, especially the like lower paid kind of higher, you know, like I'm seeing it from farming. I'm seeing it from, you know, people who are doing frontline, like kind of difficult jobs. They're having a hard time paying, like finding people. And so I've seen stuff like, oh, they're giving you an iPad if you work there three months and stuff like that. And it's like th- those those are already finding problems based on, you know, they're not an employer of choice. The, and then, then just the other thing that I want to mention, Jeff, is, is um, for people out there, Clive Lloyd, actually another Australian guy, has a book and he talks about basically the two loops that go with trust and psychological safety. And the book is called Next Gen Safety Leadership. It's more focused on the physical safety side, but it, yeah. the principles are all the same. Um, and he says, like, basically that loop that you were mentioning, right, is if you start off with the assumption that people aren't going to do the right thing, mm-hmm. then it just breeds this fear, uh, KPI, you know, blame the people, just this loop. And if you start on the assumption that people are going to do the right thing, then you can lean into curiosity. You can use, you know, psychological safety goes up, trust goes up, and then you build that cycle. And so it it is really interesting about like, we're all seeing and saying the same things. And now it's just a matter of getting in there and making it happen. And and it's that, 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 the trust. So, so <laughs> psychological safety is, is one key component is trust. Um, there's so many more elements and layers to it. But if you don't trust your staff from the very beginning, well, then you've lost. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you don't trust them and you have to put all the checks and balances in because you don't trust them, well, ask yourself, why do you have to do that? Maybe you're employing the wrong kind of people and your business is attracting the wrong kind of people and you are set your business up the wrong way so that you spend all your time 
trying to do um, risk mitigation and, and theft mitigation and, and leakage and, and, and all of that because you didn't set it up the right way and you don't trust your people, so your people don't trust you. You know, it, it's just a, a yeah, it, a, that loop I, yeah. endless, yeah. High fear, low trust environments equals low performance. Yeah, yeah. And they don't see that metric because a lot of a lot of the leaders, so there is a curve of leaders who are retiring or, or sadly they're, they're, they're no longer with us. Um, that's one part of the change curve is those, mm -hmm. as those leaders step out, we have a new generation of leaders coming through who will mm -hmm. understand it because we have a new generation of leaders that grew up with an iPhone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have hear the conversation. I've heard it um, um, from a, a number of leaders. Oh, they don't understand. No, you don't understand. Mm -hmm. You don't understand the world has changed and you're mm -hmm. thinking about when you started work and mm -hmm. you were sit in your corner, do your job, don't talk back. Now mm -hmm. it's like, well, hang on. The generation in the workplace now is saying, well, what are you actually going to do? Mm -hmm. And is your business going to adapt? No? Well, we'll mm -hmm. find somewhere else to work. And they blame yeah. they blame the generation coming, but it's not. It's because their businesses have not evolved. And yeah. psychological safety, we say it's not about free lunches or bean bags. Ah, that's so funny. <laughs> a lot of people think when you they oh we've got to give them that. No, Perks. it's not about giving them that. It's about building trust and creating purpose. Once mm -hmm. you create purpose, passion comes. Mm -hmm. So trust, purpose, followed by passion. That equals high performance. Oof, like and the other, yeah, and the other misconception about psych safety is that it's all about just like basically positivity and yeah. everything's great and we all agree. And it's like yeah. that's actually nope. the inverse of what it is. It allows you to have the hard conversations mm -hmm. and challenge ideas and make improvements because you have trust that it's all in the best interest of each other. And mm -hmm. I think that's like another thing that people need to, to really think about and digest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's two great books. So we, we've all read Amy Edmondson's The Fearless Organization. That was one of my, that was one of my eye-opening moments when I read that book. But there's another great book by Kim Scott called Radical yep. Candor. Yes. And those two together... Mm -hmm tell you that psychological safety is about having the difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think all leaders should read read that, those two books, um, all new leaders, and they should read um, the work of Brene Brown. Yes. Leaders <laughs> preach, <those>. Jeff, <laughs> preach. If we give leaders those tools when they mm -hmm. go from doing the job to then into mid-level management or starting their pro they're going to have an understanding which which unlocks that that pathway so much easier for them mm -hmm. yeah you heard it here folks add that to the list for our book club rob <laughs> i want to i want to make sure i'd be remiss if i didn't ask you this question because we ask all our guests this questions but i specifically want to know what you have to say about this because you've been dropping the legacy bomb throughout this show what do you want your legacy to be with all of this work that you're doing in the world my legacy is about about distilling the poison of my childhood so i didn't pass it on to my children to allow my children to thrive in this world without me beautiful I and then that, that flows out to everyone else i come in contact with um we won't go into the details here but my childhood wasn't 
the nicest. A lot of yeah. people struggle with that. But what I did was made sure that I stopped it with me. It has not been passed on to my children. So I'm going to send them out into the world with these, uh, with this great awareness, emotional intelligence, and a set of skills that equip them for life. Um, let alone the people that I touch on a daily basis and make them smile. That's my job, you know, and inspire them. So the one thing I didn't loop back and we're, we're like all these things, we start running out of time real quick because yeah. um, we're all communicators. Have you noticed that? We could yeah. just do this for hours. Um, I totally two, agree. Two years ago, I survived a heart attack and I was on my bike oh, wow. training at the time um, and it was the greatest thing that's happened in my life. Because when you have that moment and, and the three questions, did I live, did I love, did I matter? Did I matter? Mm-hmm. And I ask them while having a heart attack on a push bike riding down a hill. That's when you talk about legacy. What am, My chapters have already written. The last chapters are entirely up to me now to write the greatest chapters of my life. Whew, I'm inspired. How about you, Rob? I love this one. Did well, you live? Right. Did you love? Did you matter? That's from yeah. Brandon Bouchard, right? Correct. See, right. you read a book, it sticks mm-hmm. in your head, and it's just what a beautiful, clarifying moment. Yeah. I love that. And and Jeff, if, if anyone out there, they want to connect with you, they want to find more about what you're up to, where can they find you? Yeah, so the easiest way is on LinkedIn. Um, I write daily, uh, upload a post daily on LinkedIn. Um, our, the company I work for is called NeuroCapability. So there's a link there on my LinkedIn profile as well. So, um, and, and we specialize in our programs around neuroscience of leadership. Um, but also we then have other stuff where we look at and focus on psychological safety. Um, and that's my mission. I get to do this every day of the week. How lucky do you feel? Oh, I'm so grateful, you know, and and just one quick little thing. Every night at our dinner table, around our table, what three things are you grateful for with my wife and my children? Life-changing. Love that. That's awesome. Yeah, and for us, obviously, please, please go on whatever podcast platform you're on, go hit the subscribe button. And if you're on Apple, leave us a rating and review. And if you want to ask us a question about leadership mindsets like safety, management, whatever you want to ask us a question about what Susan's favorite pizza is, drop it in the Apple iTunes review and we will totally answer it on an upcoming show. And obviously for everything that's coming out with us, go to EliteHighPerformance.com. We're going to be revamping the website shortly, so you'll see a bunch of cool new programs and services there. So go head over there, EliteHighPerformance.com, and check us out there. Susan, is there anything you want to leave us with today? I'm just so inspired. It feels so good to be shoulder to shoulder with Jeff here as an early adopter. You know, Jeff, we started this show for the very same reason. We know this thing is coming. And in fact, it's already here. Okay. With some of the most successful businesses on the planet, they're already, they've been doing this psych safety thing for a while now. Right. But yeah, neuroscience is on the scene. We now have a a playbook, right, in terms of what it really requires to lead your people to their legacy, to to play their biggest impact game in whatever space or place of the world that is or type of business. So, 
You heard it here, folks. It all starts with just getting curious, tuning into this show, sharing this show with your friends so that they can actually start to get their learning game on in regards to leadership too. But uh, yeah, I'm just so thrilled because yeah, I really feel, you know, post-pandemic that this, this surge is happening. It really is happening. So it's so great to have an expert like you in our, in our seat today confirming that with us. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. My pleasure. And I, I mean, I love this discussion and I, I guess I want to leave people with that moment, that moment where you said it was enough. And for me, and we'll talk about this soon, is that moment came during the pandemic as well, but it was a long road coming. Mm-hmm. And I think what I want to leave people with is is have compassion for yourselves. Because like you, Jeff, my former career almost killed me and would have had I not made the move. And it took me a long time to get to a point and trust myself enough to leave it. And that's kind of where I want to leave people with today is is... It starts with self-awareness and it starts with just turning that light on and starting to really learn about yourself and learn about your values and what lights you up and all these different things, your mission and your legacy. It's not just like, hey, I'm done here, like, let's go. It can mm-hmm. take time. And, and I think that's the hardest part for, I mean, for high, high achievers, like, like we are, right. It's, it takes time. And and that time you you can't fast forward the process. It's a journey, but don't stop (laughs) believing. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, thanks for joining us today. That was awesome. My pleasure guys. Stay awesome. Everybody else. Thank you for listening so much. And we'll see you all next week.